0: Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of A Game of Two Laughs. I'm Ollie, and I'm here with Liam and today we're going to be previewing the Premier League season. So Liam, football's back. I guess we just dive straight in there. Who's going to win the league this year? I mean, as
1: a Liverpool fan, I'd love to say Liverpool are going to do it again in the same fashion as they did it last season, but... I think if being honest, head being wise about it, it's definitely going to be probably right. It's between Liverpool, and Manchester City. I think if you look, look at like Guardiola's history of Barcelona and what he's done there, like I can't really see them, him accepting his team just going to go another season the same way they did last campaign. Obviously, Klopp's a great manager, and like that team is like proved in the Champions League the season before how how good they are. But I just feel like I know business isn't like, the be all and end all in terms of transfer business, but the fact that they only brought in I can't even pronounce his surname the the Greek kid at, at like left back I think like yeah. that's not it's not really a it's not this case that it's not ambitious I, I think Klopp knows what he's doing the way he's done it I mean I don't know what his history like was like at Dortmund in terms of like signing new players on that second season when they won it back to back I just feel like City are going to have that hunger it's definitely Liverpool and City are in the league in their own at the minute and I just I don't know what the hunger will be like from the Liverpool players obviously. I don't. Apart from Milner, um, none of them have won the Premier League four. So really, should have the appetite to do it, but it's just a case, I guess, of are they that hungry? And a case of if they can get the fans back, then I think that will make the massive difference because obviously they want to be there to see to see it to win it as a, as opposed to this season.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. I mean, it, it's got to be a two horse race, surely. Um, I guess yeah. For me, it comes down to with both teams are, uh, um, you know transfer business I mean Man City have you know done a little bit obviously bought um, Aki at centre back but I don't know if that's enough I still feel like they need another top class centre back Um, no disrespect to to Aki but I think you know they've been rumoured with you know Cooley Barley at Napoli most of the summer that those rumours still haven't gone away you know and it's, it's basically for me the same thing as I'd probably say Man City to win the league but if Laporte gets injured again, um, or or another player of, of a similar, I guess, level. Like even if you know De Bruyne gets injured or something like that, um, you know, at least they've got other midfield options. But in defence, not not so much. And yeah, with Liverpool, obviously, I think their first eleven is pretty much unstoppable. But beyond that, the bench is not the strongest. And I guess if again, if one of their big players gets injured, you know, but it's kind of beyond Van Dijk, it's even the full backs, you know, uh, Salah and Mane you know, you've got a couple of fringe players there, but would they be able to pick up the same sort of level of goals and assists that you get from those guys up front? I'm not so sure. Um but in terms of any other team catching them, not this year. Um obviously you've got Chelsea have recruited really well um or seemingly really well but I think similarly to Man City Probably still need another centre back. I think Thiago Silva was a bit of a, you know, is a good steal, but he is 35, going 36 soon. I think, like, is that, you know, never played in the Premier League before, you know, despite all his success in Europe. Um, I think, you know, he'll struggle to play week in, week out, especially in this season, which is going to obviously be jam packed full of fixtures. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. But, yeah, what do you think of, do you think any of the other teams have got a chance? Beyond those two or three,
1: I mean definitely not united i I know they're t- everyone's talking up united and you know Ollie is at the wheel, but I hope the bloody <laughs> wheel falls off some point same, to <laughs> be honest um it's Chelsea is the only one that i do i do think there is a bit of a gap between Chelsea and man united, I think mainly just for that simple reason that they've gone out and spent i think if you if you look at Chelsea in the past, they've kind of they've never they've never been particularly dominant have they like in the same way that united or maybe city to an extent the yeah. way Chelsea seem to do it is they have a a couple of really good seasons where they're really, they're pretty much unstoppable they fall off the horse a bit and then they go off on another mad spending spree and do really really well and that's the only that's the only worry as well for Lampard is that he's just spent what I don't even know how much was it nearer 200, 200 million mil? think, 200 yeah. million pound on a, 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 and top quality players but the pressure's now on him and obviously in terms of like his status at the club like that's a big big thing for him because can you imagine Roman Abramovich how he'd sit with fans after all he's done in the time that he's been at the club if he then went and sacked one of their legends who actually was one of the ones that won them their first Premier League titles in the yeah. modern era so but I do I do think that uh, if anyone's going to push Liverpool and City then it would be them and that's the sort other of thing as well they're going to have to be a hot on their toes as well, just because, just in case there is a freak incident. I mean, you only have to look at what's been going on this year, just in the world, in, in the world in general, to see that freak yeah. things do up and things come out of the blue. And it, you've, you've, they've got to be on the ball because they've got an opportunity there. That if, if City do what they did last season, which was totally unexpected, really, and not to, you know, dismiss the quality they had, they just got completely outdone by Liverpool in the end. It's kind of mental, really, when you, when you think about it. But if Liverpool can slip up for whatever reason that may be, although I don't see it, and City, you know, slipped slipped up again, then they've, they've definitely, for me, be like next in line after that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting as well, a couple of points there, I think Lampard has been talking up uh, Klopp quite a lot these last few weeks and months and I think he keeps referring to the fact that Liverpool have you know, let him have his project, you know, he's had like four and a half, you know, nearly five years there now to actually get to the point where they're at now. You know, they had the Champions League final, then they won the Champions League, now they've won the league. And I think he's almost like planting that seed where if things do go wrong for Chelsea, even after spending all that money, you know, he can say to Abramovich or he can say to the media, you know, you can't expect me to do it all in a year or a year and a half, you know, you need to give me two, three, four years even to get to that level um you know and even guardiola for all of his you know success previously to man city you know this was kind of the slowest that success has ever come to him you know it wasn't an instant league win when he first got here that you know he, he had to adapt you know even his famous playing style um to you know to adapt to the premier league so
1: but do you think um ibramovic will give uh, sorry, Lampard. That kind of project. He's not a project man, is he? He's not. He's, he's not, got that no. project mentality. He's, he's got the rich man mentality of I'm going to give you all the money and you're going to do it now and you're going to do it. As I say, he's more like a <laughs> like a gang leader than anything. Like, like <laughs> the gang, the gang mentality of like here's the money, do what I say and do it now. Whereas yeah. obviously that's not the how it works. I mean, he's, that's the annoying thing as well, isn't it? Is that you make that? I make that point, but at the same time, they've had that success quick before. The first time around have, with Mourinho, they've had it since. You know, I. It's kind it of can like, work, no I win. guess.
0: You know, I think. In in the past, there's been talks of long term projects at Chelsea, and then you know, I'm sure they were saying the same thing when Mourinho came back for the second time. It was like, oh, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be here for three, at least three years this time. And you know, when Conte came in, it was like, oh, he's gonna rebuild the team in an Italian style and. Exactly the same when Sarri came, and it was like oh, he's going to need more than a year to get Sarri ball working, and blah blah blah. And then you know they've all just eventually got the chop. So I, you know, as a, I guess as a, an England fan as well, I'd like to see Lampard get more of a chance than some of those managers have had. But just based on his track record alone, I can't see it now. If they, I think if if they finish the top three this season. Even if they don't win the league, maybe if they, you know, win the FA Cup or something like that, or you know, do well in Champions League, I think he'll give him another year after this. But I don't think he'll give him the same length of time that Liverpool gave to to Klopp because I'm not sure Chelsea have been kind of down there long enough for them to feel like they need to give someone that time. I think he just assumes he can buy that success because it has worked before, like you said, you know, um, you know, a couple in a row under Mourinho, and then. You know, like one under Ancelotti and then another one under Mourinho and then another one under Conte. And yeah, they're, they're, they've they been quite spread out. And so maybe they will get one under Lampard, but maybe maybe it will be a one off. But they've bought young, which is interesting as well. Um, slight change in philosophy in terms of players they've bought. You know, they used to kind of hoard all these super, super young players who then had to go out on loan. And they've still got loads of those players. Um, but then they'd end up moving on elsewhere and you know they they try and buy in the experience Whereas I feel like they've you know gone for a slightly different approach so we'll see how that goes but um but do you see one- them
1: them sticking about with if if you're saying about them finishing top 3 we've seen a success if they do well in other competitions obviously probably top three is most realistic but that wouldn't be progress based on it and he's just spent Abramovich has spent 200 mil and that's no progress but then you think about the cup competitions what about the Champions League though because I feel like he wouldn't accept oh let's go and spend 200 million pound and then all you're going to bring me back is the Milky Bar Cup and the other friend Milky Bar Cup (laughs) brother that's all you're (laughs) going to get
0: I think it really depends a lot on the circumstances though as well I mean if if they finish third but they only finish like Three points behind whoever's in second, you know, then that could be seen as progress because the gap really between, I mean, even the gap between Liverpool and City was like 18 points. So I'm not not sure how you know nice Abramovich will be when it comes to that. And the same with the Champions League. I mean, you know, they could get favourable fixtures and make it all the way to the semi-finals or the final, and you'd be like, "Oh, that'd probably be a success," even if they didn't win it. Um, but equally they could get to the round of 16 and get knocked out and you know you'd say objectively that's probably a failure when you've spent that much money but you know what if their round of 16 game was against Bayern Munich and they just got you know rolled over um it's yeah it depends but I know I know what you're saying and obviously like success is also measured financially in football these days and not getting to the latter stages of the Champions League and not getting you know even one position makes such a massive difference in terms of TV money um then yeah, he'll, he'll wanna he'll wanna get back some of that two hundred million at some point, so we'll see. Um one team that's been kind of written off from this conversation a little bit by kind of pundits and, and fans alike, I think, for the most part, is Leicester. <laughs> you know, obviously won the league and then, you know, have kind of still been hanging around, but you know, still managed to do well last year. But I mean, how how what do you think? Are they in the conversation for the top four top six this year or, or have they had their run you know
1: it's like a tough question because you look, look at what brendan rogers has done and obviously he's got a team of really when you look at it on paper like you've got talented players but you don't put them in that bracket of the qualified for the champions league and i guess it kind of told at the end like once the, it resumed after obviously the lockdown and everything like that they, they kind of did tail off and it's kind of hard to tell how much was that a natural tail off because of obviously everything that happened, and obviously different teams are going to cope with the the lockdown and the weird nature of it all afterwards, and how much of it was actually down to the fact that actually that was probably more truthful, and whether that would have happened anyway had the season just finished in its normal time frame, it was a it's a bit of a weird one. Obviously, yeah. Vardy finished as a top scorer there. I mean, I don't know the the finer details in terms of breakdowns of games when he didn't score. How many points Leicester gained, or whether they dropped any, I haven't seen any of that, so I can't really back it up with that. But really, on paper, like they're definitely right up there. Like I, I, for me, they're not much different than Wolves. They, they, I put them in that kind of bracket. Um, yeah. and in, fact, in fact, if anything, mentioning Wolves, um, they probably on paper got the stronger team. I mean, I remember when they signed Ruben Neves. I can't remember when he joined. I have a feeling he enjoyed them in the Championship, didn't he? I have a, I have a feeling. Yeah. I did, know, yeah. A few seasons before, he was linked with Liverpool. I mean, that it's just, it's just mental. Like this, I know they've had people complain about the money and the links with, um, is it Jorge Mendes and all and all that. Yeah, but yeah, for me, Leicester in that same bracket. Around where wolves are, and anything above that is a bonus. Obviously, I, I don't, I don't really see their fans also either getting over too overhyped about that. Obviously, they had the success with the Premier League title, and I think that kind of bumps them up a bit. I think that's what would always sit in a conversation about: can you talk about them for European football, particularly the Champions League? I think you're always going to say Leicester more just because of what that like, success they had like mm-hmm. about four or five seasons ago, whenever it was now.
0: Yeah, I think for me it feels like the top four now again kind of um, it's pretty much in my head at least quite fixed now I think you've got obviously Liverpool and Man City are far far and away above everyone else and I think if I did have to stick my neck out and see who I thought it was going to win I think I'm going to have to go for City just because I think that they will still jump back into the market for another defender before it's closed um, but it could go either way. I think Chelsea should be third place, probably, um, unless they can really spring a few surprises and really punch their weight with the top two. And then, you know, still taught that United could still do some business as well, so I'd imagine they'd be around fourth. And then for me, it's fifth and sixth could be actually one of the bigger talking points of the season come the end of it because you've got. Arsenal, who, to be fair, do look a much better team under Arteta and are slowly improving, made a few sensible signings. Um, Spurs are kind of always there or thereabouts, although I think quite a big question marks there at the moment. And then, like you just said, you've got Wolves and Leicester. So you've almost got eight teams now kind of vying for those top six spots. You've got your
1: Champions League and your Europa League almost like different. Yeah. You've got two different like kind of competitions within the main competition of the Premier League itself yeah. it's its own battle. And
0: that's and that's just writing off all the others. I mean you've also got Everton who've recruited pretty well. Uh I know as a Liverpool fan you you might not agree but um <laughs> they've definitely bought some in in midfield at least they've strengthened massively there. Um and obviously Sheffield United had a brilliant season last year so who knows where they could end up but yeah the top half certainly looks strongest it's been for quite a while. Um if I was to go for the kind of fifth and sixth places I think I'd be looking at Wolves and Arsenal at the moment. Yeah. Um I think Spurs are gonna have a really rough time this season. Um I, I mean, their, uh,
1: their their team's definitely going to give me the two finger salute. I think for the ones I've put into the fan- my fantasy team, <laughs> I don't know how that's going you know, how it's going to pan out for me. But I just have that horrible feeling it's just going to backfire. And even you, you, even if you listen to the way some of the stuff that Mourinho says, it's almost like this isn't the guy that went to Chelsea as the, the and made himself the special one or whatever. And he he's no, not the no. guy he's going to go all gung ho. I mean, you could say he had limited success at United obviously he still did but he did ha- have probably less success than he, th- he thought he was going to get and then you get Spurs <laughs> he just doesn't seem the same sort of manager it's almost not the manager that's going to go and win your titles this is a guy that's like just going to push the club forward and it's just like is this the Spurs way that they can they, they sign a top top manager and all of a sudden he's going there and he's just like I just don't know what if you know I, that, you just going yeah, to get that vibe I, just,
0: I think that for me the thing with Spurs and I think from from watching the The new Amazon documentary, as well, I think it's been made even more clear is that you know you've got this team that played, you know, quite a fluid attacking football under Pochettino for you know five years, and you know have brought in a manager who yeah arguably has an even bigger reputation than Poch did by the time he was sacked. Um, you know, Mourinho you'd probably put in the top top three in the world managers maybe, and you know if not top two and yeah. His approach is completely different and I think his approach has feels like it's got more and more negative even over the last five or six years, you know, since since he left Real Madrid really when he came back to Chelsea and it was almost like the Premier League had moved on from when from when he was first here in terms of the style of play, you know. He used to be the absolute master at finding a way of winning the games, you know. I don't feel like in that, you know, that 05, six period that people saw him as a defensive manager back then and you know I think he kind of adopted that a little bit into Milan because you know but as a hard tackling Italian team with some very good defenders at the time that kind of made sense for him to have that approach wouldn't really say he had that reputation too much at Real Madrid although he obviously had 50-60 goals a season from Ronaldo but then when he came back to Chelsea it was like he didn't Almost identify, I guess, with the attacking way that teams were currently playing in the Prem. And I don't know, it just seems to be like sit back, you know, absorb the pressure, hit them on the counter attack, which for certain teams is absolutely fine. Um, You know, he did have a certain element of that even at Real Madrid, I guess, in terms of the, you know, they were pretty good at counter attacking at that time. But I don't know, I, I don't really think that that's necessarily the way forward. Will it win you some games? Yeah it will. But I think Spurs aren't set up for that right now, you know. They've been building a team for five years to go in the other direction and, you know, attack teams and try and keep the ball, move the ball around the pitch. You know, you've got one of the best strikers in the world up front and you know he barely gets any service. The amount of games that seem to go by where you know the number of touches he has in the box are less than ten or less than five. You know, barely getting any shots off. It's not good enough for a player of that quality. Um, and as, as we saw last season when he got injured before before lockdown, you know, uh, where else are the goals going to come from? They still need another striker. Uh, and I just don't think that approach is going to work for Spurs. I, d- I don't think their recruitment's been brilliant. I know, you know, they've bought kind of quite pragmatically. Um I think Doherty's an all right you know decent signing but uh, yeah I don't know uh, when, for but when me, does
1: when does um, Harry Kane walk away from it because surely you can't have this guy at a club his whole career and basically win nothing i mean people probably get give give me slate me as a liverpool fan to say that Gerard, you know didn't win the premier league or whatever but at least he got the champions league and that probably is what actually kept him they knew that he'd won something big and he you know got the fa cup and that but how long do they keep hold of harry kane out like do they let it just let him go or do they what who's who's forcing that move because i feel he just comes across as too nice a guy to almost force it but it's just like and
0: i don't why is he still there I know Tottenham fans will obviously disagree with this, but I don't see Harry Kane as being like Mister Tottenham Hotspur in the way that, like you, Gerrard was like you, Mister Liverpool. Like you know, they he got that Champions League success as well, like relatively early in his career. You know, and obviously that was such a, a defining moment in his career. And you know, they won a couple, but they were they were still major major contenders of the Premier League for several years after that. You know, it was only you know around kind of twenty ten to eleven area. When, yeah, but... yeah the the Hodgson era you know when it it started to you know drop off a bit but then you think well yeah Tottenham I mean yeah they finished 3rd I think that's their best finish um in the Premier League you know should have finished second behind Leicester should have won the league actually that year um ended up finishing 3rd behind Arsenal I think if I remember correctly um And then it's been a few steps backwards since. Obviously it didn't work out for Poch in the end. But for me now, yeah, it just it feels like they're going backwards. And if I were Harry Kane, I'd probably be thinking, if things don't turn around this season in terms of even even if they did like let's just say they won the FA Cup, you know, we know Mourinho's quite a good you know, competition manager, you know, knockout games rather than leagues. Obviously he has won leagues, but he seems to thrive in those situations and I don't even if they were to win the FA Cup but they did it by playing this kind of you know defensive counter-attacking style football I'm not sure that's what Harry Kane wants you know well I obviously can't say what he wants but you know a player of his ability could should be winning the Premier League and the Champions League you know before his career's over and you know he's not that young anymore and I think you know and also Tottenham fans will like this, but they're a, they're a selling club and they always have been. You know, they they always sell their best players in the end. Um, and I think that that'll happen surely if Man United or I don't know, even like your Real Madrid or your PSGs came in with a couple of hundred million, which is might might be what it takes. I think Daniel Levy would snap their hand off, in you know, if they're not going to win anything.
1: Yeah, I I just wouldn't want him to turn into a Gareth bow. <laughs> <laughs> just you know I sign think... him with great hopes and then he just rots away on the bench I mean I know there's a different conversation about whose fault exactly that was but actually, actually I just Harry Kane as, as great as a player is I just I just can't imagine him anywhere else in a weird way it's kind of it's a sad thought in terms of if that was really to be the case and he just didn't move anywhere and he didn't win any any silverware but it's just I just don't know where he'd like. I don't know if it's more the case of right now I don't know where he'd go you know you, I don't see United, obviously, it's probably the first one. But then you think of you got you think of their forward line, and unless one of them yeah. moved on, particularly when you've got like Rashford, who's a, lo- a local lad, I know they're not kind of he's more of a wide wider player. But I just can't, I can't really envision yeah. it at the minute. I uh, don't know what team it suits Arsenal, but they're not going to go and win no. the league any time soon.
0: No, yeah, surely he wouldn't go there anyway. Um, exactly.
1: I mean, you have got a Bammy, and Lacazette i mean i you i mean they could go on a they'd go for the ultimate trio and try and compete with Liverpool on that front and just have some mental forward line but
0: i i i agree I don't see it I think maybe yeah, I think it would have to be united and it would have to be you know uh, unfortunately in place of one of those young young forwards that they've already got um you know but who knows, um, I, but I just, yeah, this season, I don't see it going that well for Spurs, I think we could talk about it all day long. I actually do, I do like Spurs as well, I know this probably sounds like I don't, but I just, it's something about that Mourinho mentality, and I think it brings it brings the club down a bit, um, and I think it makes you start to feel a bit negative as a fan, uh, and I, yeah, I worry for Spurs a little bit. Right, and so looking now down to the bottom side of the table, who do we see going down this season?
1: I think there is one club in particular. I think the fans know it themselves, which is kind of a, a sad situation to be in. But you look at West Brom; I think the fans themselves are not that optimistic. Um, I think they're definitely going to be right down there. They just and they're, they're just that classic yo-yo club, you know. I think I think they've got one of the records for relegation, something like four, maybe even five. I think it's four. Um, for like match times being relegated from the Premier League, and you just don't see time and again like each time they come up like fair enough they they prove they're better than the championship more often than not, and then they they kind of come up and they've had that they had that spell i think like the last time or time before where they kind of stuck around for for a mm-hmm. little while and you actually thought they were stabilizing they 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 managed to get one or two players at just about. You know, cut the mustard for them and then they kind of, they either either sign for someone else and they fade away or, you know, they struggle in that sense. But I think that's going to be the same for Fulham as well. Um, Obviously, they've been a long time in the Premier League before, the previous time before last when they got relegated. But you just, I just don't see anything about them that's for me when you look at the rest of the league. It's actually quite strong, you know. If, I mean, you talk about Burnley, you should be talking about it being down there, but time and again, you know, they've been solid under Sean Dyche. Um, mm-hmm. Sheffield United were absolutely top class last season, obviously, and, and Brighton just are going from strength to strength from a club for what right from, them, from the bottom, to be honest. Um, yeah, and Pal- Palace is maybe someone not because they've done any bad business or they've not, you know, I don't think they are sold short or anything, but they're kind of one of the teams I guess you could say could get sucked into it. It just depends how all depends on how they'll start. And yeah. and then West West Ham. I feel like West Ham are just uh, a disaster waiting to happen again, obviously. They they just no they no one seem they never seem to be happy. They, they you know, you've got the captain complaining about Dean Garner going to West Brom, ironically one of the like relegation candidates. Um you know, and to come out and publicly say that, particularly a player of his professionalism, it kind of just tells you there's some unrest there. They just don't seem to be going anywhere for me. So for the, for me, it's West Brom, Fulham and West Ham going down.
0: Yeah, I, I funnily enough, I, I completely agree. Um, West Brom, the, the only saving grace I can kind of see for West Brom, and I'd maybe say the same, I guess you can say this about all clubs really, but I feel like West Brom will actually do this, is... Sack sack the manager in November and get you know one of your classic. I need you to save us from relegation. Managers in, who will just you know, batten down the hatches and just you know get enough points just to stay up. Um, you know, maybe they'll get Tony Pulis back or something. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. It just feels like that's something that they might do, but uh, yeah. I think it's been difficult for some of those clubs at the bottom half of the league, Be- obviously with you know, the coronavirus situation financially has meant that, you know um signing players has been more difficult than it has been for the bigger teams. Not that the bigger teams haven't been impacted financially, but obviously they've got a little bit more to fall back on. Um yeah, Fulham I just don't really see Fulham as being in much of a different place than they were the last time they were in the Premier League and got relegated, so I don't see that changing much and West Ham, yeah. It just it's almost feels like West Ham have overstayed their welcome now. Um you know, the last couple of years eh, they've, you know, had kind of a, a late escape. Um and I feel like when that starts happening to teams, you can only do that for so many years before before you go down and uh yeah i agree there's clearly something not quite right there this feels like there's some unrest but um yeah beyond that palace even southampton i'm not not so sure about at the moment although
1: mighty 442 has got them down as being i think they said eighth no sorry not eighth um <laughs> that's definitely incorrect but four 4 two have got the rating them highly for this season, which I was quite I mean, shocked about. I mean, they've obviously got some insight that I don't know about because for me, that's not.
0: Is it? Is it just? I mean, they've got Danny Ings. I mean,
1: yeah, I I I correct myself for calling myself out for being wrong. They have got predicting them for being
0: eighth. Interesting. Rejuvenated
1: okay. after a grim start last campaign, the Saints have everything in place to kick on now. That's quite optimistic because, uh, to be honest, they they did no, do work. Optimistic. They did turn it around like that. I remember losing nine 0 to Leicester, and it's just like you think you're you're gone, you're out, you know, game over. You might as well hang your boots up for the season. But they there's, they're obviously seeing something there that probably the rest of us they're yeah. probably in the background doing something quite quietly. And he's he's obviously a good manager, but yeah, let's have some belief
0: there. I I think there's just other teams that. But I yeah, I don't expect them to go down. But I, I can't I can't see them in the top ten personally. Um, although, you know, obviously having a, a striker that can get you a good number of, you know, at least fifteen goals in the league is obviously going to go a long way to getting your points tally up. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty agreed then on on the bottom half of the league or the bottom three at least. Um, so I guess moving the conversation on a little bit. And this might be an easy question, but which team do we think has done the best transfer business?
1: I don't know. There's different categories of good transfer business. There's good transfer business for Chelsea in terms of obviously they've signed these names that have been wanted: got Ziyech, uh, Werner. I'm struggling. Habits, and you know Habits, they've got. Yeah. It, it's ridiculous. I just can't even name them all off the top of my head. Oh, you got yeah. um, Tiago Silva. Yeah, I mean, obviously he ben was a free. That, that was, a, yeah, Ben Chilwell. See, I can't even remember all this because it is like a wholesale change, which could mm. obviously go against them in that sense. Like, the, you've got to give them time to settle. Obviously, some from coming abroad from different styles of football. I mean, you can say the different culture thing. I don't think, for me personally, it's not big that big of a difference to Germany. But um, for me, like one of the first I'm thinking of is Evan and you know as a Liverpool fan it's not a fun thing to say but you know you go and getting in James Rodriguez and this Alan bloke who to be quite honest I have no clue who he is um, and obviously he's come from Napoli and then you've got Decore as well and you, I, I actually think they've done really really well Is it actually a bit of a worry I mean the, the worry is going to be for you know the likes of Leicester and, and Wolves for me really it's that yeah, that's where they're going to be going for and I think they could hit quite hard um, yeah it's just think, a case
0: how they do that. I think that's a really good point on Everton. Yeah, those three midfielders. You know, you've got, yeah, you've got a ball winner. You've got, you know, someone who's good. I think Allen. You know, he's good at winning the ball back, and he's he's got quite a good range of passing. Obviously, Ancelotti knows him from from his time at Napoli. Um, you know, and then obviously Hammers, who, all right, maybe didn't ever quite make the cut at Real Madrid, but you know, there's obviously quite a big gap between real madrid and everton and so i think for them that's that's a huge signing and i think you know dead ball situations they'll be dangerous you know they've already got luca dignie who can you know whip in some incredible uh, crosses already um but yeah just from those those shots from outside the box that he's he's obviously well known for uh, I think, yeah, they could be quite dangerous for sure. And obviously up front as well. I mean, you know, Richarlison's been decent for a couple of years, but maybe just hasn't quite had the service he needs. And I think Calvert-Lewin as well seems to um, have matured a lot in the last couple of months. After lockdown, he definitely looked... He almost looked a different player, so... They've yeah. also,
1: they've almost got a team there, and you you kind of forget about the ones that are already there, but you're of look at it and you're like, Jesus Christ, they actually... Those three additions are going to just could make a massive yeah. difference because they've already got some quality there and we're kind of forgetting about that now we're talking about the likes of a former Real Madrid player and a 2014 golden boot winner at the World Cup or whatever mm-hmm. a 2014 yeah. or earlier I can't you know I'm losing 2014, track 2014. Yeah. 2014 yeah so they they could really surprise. they really could and they could
0: um, yeah I, I struggle to look beyond Chelsea in terms of who's done the best business I know what you mean there's obviously different levels of that I think it's been harder for the for the lower teams um, to sign players obviously because of the financial situation but Newcastle have made a few maybe smart signings as well um,
1: I think for Newcastle the thing that stands out there is the fact that they've probably complained a lot about their business in previous windows and probably haven't done enough I think mm. they'll probably say about obviously with Callum Wilson coming in as a striker I mean they've got Dwight Gales he's a top top clinical striker when he gets enough game time he just needs that consistency up front but for them yeah they might it might not be the best business in terms of individual signings but they they, they'll probably potentially be one of the happiest you know just as happy as what Everton are I mean obviously Chelsea fans are gonna be ecstatic about the business they've done but you know for what they're looking at and obviously the whole ownership issue with Mike Ashley and missing out on this 300 million plus deal with this Saudi owners or whatever they'll be really happy because that to be honest this window you could have expected the complete opposite it was almost one window you could have been like you know what we might get absolutely nothing at all because why is mike actually going to want to put money into something that he's going to sell unless there's like some sort of you know something going on the background that they're like do what we'll do the business and there's going to be some sort of takeover where they'll you know recoup that but it just it does seem a bit weird that he's just kind of it does i guess
0: I mean I don't know maybe from his point of view that increases the value of the club by signing new players but yeah strange summer for them because I I agree I was after the you know the sale kind of fell through or at least you know it's uh, still being disputed isn't it but um, I wouldn't have expected um, them to do much business either so I think yeah they'll be reasonably happy now I actually think that they'll you know whereas Last year, you know, there were still some doubts around whether they would avoid the drop, but they they managed it fairly easily, and well, not easily, but you know, they they were comfortable in the end. I'd say, Um I think they'll be even more comfortable this season. I you know, I'd imagine they'll be around, you know, sort eleventh, of twelfth place potentially with a team like that. So, uh, yeah, right, and then I guess just a couple of let's let's do some quick predictions here. Um, top scorer oh, that's a
1: million dollar question because to be honest as, as great as Vardy is I don't think I would have put him there last season I would have put Ings up there last season I, I, I kind of feel like really boring but I'm going to probably you know it's going to be one, one of the Liverpool players I think I'm just for the sake of it as a Liverpool fan you know going to go for Mo Salah I just I, I can't see past that obviously yeah. Aguero we always forget about Aguero how do we do it I think he's just been that phenomenal for so long it's just kind of like yeah whatever but for me yeah. I, I still think Mo Salah in that team assuming they all stay fit and the service he's getting from both wings as well I mean there's there's so many different ways that Liverpool can produce goals and the different threats they've got for me in that sort of team that he's in in this era for me it'd probably be Mo Salah
0: fair um. Yeah, it is a tough one this year. It's like you say, I don't think you would have thought of Vardy or Ings last year. Really, I'm quite tempted to go for Aubameyang. I think you know he's been right up there. Well, he he jointly won it the year before last, and he was right up there last year again. You know, his record at Arsenal in terms of goals to games is unbelievable, and I just think now that it feels like they're starting to get a little bit more stability under Arteta, I think, you know, he could do it, but I can't see him getting more than 25. So if, just, and that's purely based on, you know, I still don't see Arsenal quite pushing top four. But, yeah, so unless, you know, you, you know, Mo Salah kind of pushes towards 30 again or, if Aguero stays fit for the full season, I think he can also put up pretty good numbers as you say. Uh it'd be interesting to see what Timo Werner does at Chelsea as well. Um obviously he could he can bang in quite a few goals, so but yeah, for me, I'm gonna go for a Uh, just so that we're not picking the same player. <laughs> <laughs> um And then obviously that I suppose this this could almost the same question, really, who's your Prediction for Player of the Season?
1: Yeah, that's just like another another
0: tough question. Oh, I'll, in I'll it, go in first it, for you on this one if you want. Yeah, because um, I can't see past Kevin De Bruyne again.
1: Oh, that's really a shame because I was probably that's the first
0: player I'm thinking of again. Yeah, it's he it, was he's so good last year. Well, I, I just has been ever since he came back to the Prem, and, but he it was like he was dragging that city team along last year when they were, you know, especially in the games where they were really struggling, you know, struggling to find creativity, struggling defensively, you know, found themselves behind in games more often than at any point, probably in Guardiola's time at City and It often just felt like it was him purely willing them on to try and win the game, you know, and obviously matched Henry's record for assists. I think he got thirteen goals himself or something like that, which is obviously Strong return from, you know, kind of a uh, midfield position. I think, yeah, Salah is another one who could obviously, like, if he gets old, you know, if he does get thirty goals, it's hard to look past a player scoring that many goals for Player of the Season. But for me, can't see past De Bruyne.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm I would differentiate on that, but again, I, I just think it will be De Bruyne. I think it's kind of a similar, along similar lines as why. I pick Salah as a top scorer, although obviously he didn't do it last season. But I feel like they're both players who are in the two best teams in the Premier League. I mean, two of the best teams. In fact, you probably argue there are. You know, obviously there's inconsistencies in terms of La Liga to, to a certain extent. So they're like two of the leading teams in the world, you know, yeah. on fire. They're, they're so head and heels above the rest. It's ridiculous. And I feel like they're both probably the the two key players in their respective teams in a... In, Incredibly talented squads. I think De Bruyne are in the same sense of salaries with the goals. I think he's going to have the massive impact from midfield, regardless of how City's seasons go, whether they have a similar season to last season, which was still incredible but fall short, or whether they, you know, they kick on or they've got that bite in them again now that Liverpool showed them up so much last campaign.
0: But yeah, that was the first episode of A Game of Two Laughs, and we'll see you next time for a review of the first Premier League weekend.